Welcome to the Winner Takes All podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything competition, whether it be sports, reality competitions, or if you win Christmas, if you have the biggest presence under the tree. If you're competing, we're talking about it. I am your host, Kevin G, and I'm here as always with my co-host, CJ. CJ, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. You're fantastic. How are you doing fantastic? I am the best I've been this year. <laughs> I mean, it's been a rough year. It's been a rough year. That's so a low you, bar. It's a very low bar. <laughs> but let me tell you, for me, the console wars are finally over. Ah, so you finally secured the bag. I finally secured a bag. So on Monday, Best Buy came out and they were like, hey, y'all, guess what? We are releasing PS5s and Xboxes uh, sometime after 8 a.m. Central on Tuesday. Tuesday? Okay. So literally tomorrow. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm, I work in front of a computer. I got two screens. I'll just have Best Buy up. I'll wake up an hour early, so I'll be on there at 6 o'clock. So when they release, it's, it, we're good. It's go time. So I woke up, let the dogs out. The, the puppy that I have was like, what are you doing awake so early? Why are you waking me up at 5.30 to go outside to pee? It's cold outside. I was sleeping. I'm not happy with this decision. I said, I have more important things to do than deal with you. <laughs> so I put him outside, put him back inside. He went back to sleep, go up to my office, get up Best Buy, open the website at 5.58. Guess what? Website crashed. <laughs> Due to traffic, the website crashed. Everybody got the same info that yeah. you did. So I was like, okay, well, I, I have the website up. Let me try the app. Nope, app doesn't work either. I haven't been this frustrated since I saw that stupid Walmart dog every time I tried to buy a <laughs> PS5 there. Same so, thing happened to me when I tried to get an Xbox there too. Yeah, so, you know, screw Walmart. So then I was just like refreshing, trying to get it going. It's like 6.20 a.m. now because we're Pacific time, so you know, 6 a.m. And it's nothing. So I'm like, hmm. Well, they said anytime after six, they didn't say six on the dot. So right. the longer they push back, the more likely it is I get one because people are going to get tired of waiting. Right. So I start working on my other screen, leave Best Buy up. And then I was like, hmm, maybe there's like someone I can go. So I browse the Twitters, find uh, the Twitter page of a certain Jake Randall, who is a YouTuber, turn on his live stream because he is following the Best Buy live stream. And he's just going over what you need to do to get it you know, secure the bag, which I already know what to do. I just need to know when they go live because I can't refresh every 32 seconds. Right. Which is still not as fast as a bot that refreshes several times a second. So put up his live stream, just have him run in the background. He says he's going to yell when they go live. I'm like, okay. And I already have Twitter push notifications on my computer and my phone. What, what's his handle? Because that's that's like some the Lord's work right there. Uh, I will look that up for you as I'm telling my story. Because he deserves... To get a shout out for oh yeah so I'm I'm following him I'm following at Spiel Times I'm following at PS Five Stock this is for everyone who has not secured the bag these are all great Twitter accounts that can help you find one he is at Jake underscore Randall underscore YT so that's on that's on Twitch on Twitter Twitter so he is on his live stream he's chatting it up he's talking he's playing music just having a grand time i have him running in the background as i work at 9 30 i have to jump on a work meeting so i'm like we still haven't gone live it's been three and a half hours i am not getting this ps5 today because i'm going into a three hour meeting so you were prepared to take another l i was prepared to take another l so we're doing this meeting and i'm sitting there and i still have him running in the background on low volume to wait to hear this scream 
And at about 9.55, I'm like, let me move my Microsoft Teams page from my second screen to my main screen because I'm about to be on camera. So I want to be looking at the camera while I'm chatting. When I move it, I decide to refresh the Best Buy page just because, guess what? It was live. Ooh. I was very excited. So I immediately hit Add to Cart. Okay. Did he yell? He had not yelled yet. Ooh. So this is like amazing timing. So... I hit add to cart and Best Buy's like, haha, bitch, guess what? You got to add to cart twice. Right. So the way that the Best Buy system works, it's two-factor authentication similar to, um, you know, different websites or email logins where you have to hit add to cart, then it makes you wait a few minutes, and then you hit add to cart again. That's much better than Capacha. It, yeah, it's much better. So I hit add to cart. Now I'm sitting here on pins and needles waiting. I'm supposed to be on camera talking, and I don't even care. Like, go ahead and you can fire me because I'm about to get this PS5. <laughs> so I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. I do my quick camera part. My boss was like, uh, can you do that again? I'm like, no. I'm here. Here I am. There yeah. I am. That's it. Yeah, sure. I'm done. Like, this is our walkthrough anyway. I'll be much better at noon when it's time to go. So then they let me off the hook. Eventually, it pops up the second time. So I immediately hit add to cart again. It immediately goes in my cart. And I'm like, oh, yes. Yep. So then I immediately try to go to my cart. Error. Oh no. Refresh. Oh, no. Error. Refresh. Error. It's like that TikTok. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. So this is at like 959 oh, no, no, now. No, no, no. So I'm just refreshing, trying to get in my cart. So I was like, okay, let me try the app too. So now I'm refreshing with my left hand on my computer and refreshing the app on my right hand. But the app doesn't have my cart up because it's not showing in my cart on the app. So now I'm very sad because I'm like, I'm not going to get this. And I got this thing in my cart. I did all the right things. Right. So I refresh, refresh, refresh. This is 9.59. So now we're at about 10.30 and I'm still refreshing and fighting with this thing. Like half an hour? For like half an hour. So then I was like, hmm, I'm not going to give up until it tells me it's sold out. Right. So I'm refreshing and about 10.30, I actually get through to my cart. And I'm like, yes, I'm about to get this thing. And then it's like, your unit is not available for pickup at your store. Oh, no. Pick a different store. <laughs> so at this point, I was presented with a choice. I was like, I could either A, keep hammering my store, or B, spend the time to try to find one at another store. But I don't know until I pick another store on the map if it's even available. And then at that point, you might lose the one in the cart. Exactly. So I decide to go option A, and I keep hammering the store. I'm competing with everyone in the world for this thing. So keep hammering the store and it's like, nope, not available. And then it kicks me out of the cart. So now I'm real mad because now I got to get back into the cart again. Oh. Worst part was at the time it said that it was available for pickup that day on okay. Tuesday. So that's why I was hammering the store. I was like, I know you have it. Don't lie to me. So then I get kicked out of my cart. So I get back in my cart. Eventually, by refreshing, refreshing, it's now 1040. So another 10 minutes of refreshing. And it goes, it lets me in and it's like, okay, it's available at your store for pickup on Sunday. So I'm like, this is a win. Right. So then I finally get in the cart and then it's like, okay, proceed to checkout. So I'm like, this, this is, is a the big win. Ever been. This is the biggest <laughs> win of my life. So, and I, I'm getting married. This is still a bigger win. So I'm like, all right, let me just check out because I went ahead and I saved my address earlier and I saved my card information earlier and it's asking for the CVV and I'm like 
let me put in these three numbers that I'm never going to say on here because y'all going to be trying to steal my card. Mm-hmm. So then I put it in. And then it's like processing, processing, processing. I'm like, come on, take this payment. Let's go. And then it didn't process the payment. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, how much money do I have in my account? So then I leave the app on my phone, which I was refreshing on at the time because I was trying to get in. So then I was like, how much money do I have in my account if they charge me twice? I have more than enough money. Process again. So I process it again and I got the confirmation. So I immediately took a screenshot, sent it to the co-host over here. I was like, I did get that. I said, oh, I was like, the bag. It's over. It's I felt like Frodo the at the end of Lord of the Rings. Frodo at the end of Lord of the Rings. I finally got it. <laughs> it's precious. And let me tell you, like, I've been looking at my Fitbit and the sleep scores went from like 45 to I'm in the 80s again because I finally got a good night's sleep. Now, y'all are going to hear if, you know, I show up on Sunday and it's not there. Or they cancel my order or something. <laughs> I'm going to rally all seven listeners <laughs> to uh, bombard to Best storm Buy. the Best Buy. <laughs> but until then, I finally got that win. I've finally been able to sleep. I'm going to have to find something new to talk about. So, CJ, you've won the console wars. It took you a long time. It took me a long time. It took my friends who we were all searching. Other soldiers along the way. So here's the worst part is I actually succeeded on Best Buy. And I've been talking to a few other people who have also been trying to get one. They didn't succeed at Best Buy that day, but Walmart did a drop 45 minutes later. So Walmart did a drop at noon on Tuesday, noon Pacific, and they somehow succeeded in getting one from Walmart. Producer Albert? Producer Albert got one, and another good friend of mine, Jill, she got one for her cousin. So everybody secured the bag. Walmarts, they're not supposed to get it until January, but these kids understand what an IOU is. It's fine. (laughs) Congrats to everyone out there that has been able to win console wars this year. It's been a tough battle. It's been one of the hardest battles I've ever been Surprisingly in. Surprisingly tough one. I thought it was going to be an easy, I'll just show up, get the console. But due to COVID and other restraints. I've never in my life, I've been playing video games my whole life. I've been buying my own consoles since 2000. I bought my own PS2. It was the first console I paid for for myself. I got an Xbox the first Christmas it was out. Like, my family got me an Xbox. It wasn't hard. I got myself a 360. I got myself an Xbox One. I've never struggled this hard to get one. Like, every time I've decided I'm going to buy this console, I walked into the store and bought the console. I take money. I say, hi, I'm here to buy that console. They say, hi, sir, here's the console. And I understand this is, like, the ultimate first world problem, but it's still a problem. Yeah. I don't get it. It's crazy. But the console wars are over. I'm happy for you, sir. I'm glad you got that PS5. I did. So You already had the Xbox Series X. So if you want to rob a house, CJ's is the one to go for. Oh, yeah. And the consoles. And the best part is, now that I have the PS5, we can go back to talking about more stuff because I have time. <laughs> that was a full-time job. It was, it was. I'm glad that your job understood it was a full-time job and lets you continue to work there. I have two jobs. I had three jobs because of that. <laughs> now I'm back to two jobs, and I'm much happier. <laughs> well, this week, let's get into the show. This week, we're going to talk about The Amazing Race, the finale. Yes. We're going to talk extensively about the challenge and why Fessy is trash, and I'll tell you about why in a minute. I have a lot of questions about that. But let me start. We're going to start talking about the NFL. And we're going to start with last night's game, or Thursday night's game, because you might be hearing this later. 
Thursday's night's game, the Raiders versus the Chargers. It was the Oregon Bowl that no one saw coming. When Marcus Mariota came in for an injured Derek Carr and played against Herbert, Justin Herbert, who also was not supposed to be the starter when the season started. That that game was like the perfect example of how not to win an NFL game. <laughs> like it started and was the second drive of the game. Derek Carr tweaks his groin. He's out for the game. Yeah. So that's a, a good way to start not winning an NFL game, losing your starting quarterback. But Marcus Berriota came in, he balled out. So, you know, we had a great game. There was a lot of long, sustained drives, good offense. Then the fourth quarter rolls around, and it was a comedy of errors. And it starts from the top with the Chargers only letting Justin Herbert throw one time. He led you to the lead. He's been cooking all game, and you decide, nope, we're going to run the ball. So, yeah, run the ball down the field after the Raiders tie up the game, about five minutes left. And then you put out your kicker when you have the worst special teams unit in football. Wait a minute. You're ta- are you talking about the money badger? <sighs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Michael Badgley is the Chargers kicker. He's missed more kicks than any other kicker in the NFL this year. So as the money badger, you're saying he's broke. He's very broke. So he goes out there. He trots out there. He's like, yeah, I'm going to hit this 47-yard field goal. Nope. Misses. Of course he did because they're the Chargers and that's what they do. You know how like the Clippers screw things up? Yeah. That's the Chargers. <laughs> Notice how they're both the second team in LA. They have a lot of things in common. So then the Raiders get the ball back and they immediately drive down the field and they're getting in field goal range on their own. And then Mariota makes his first genuinely bad pass of the night. He throws it behind the receiver. Shouldn't have been picked off, but the receiver got a hand on it, popped it up in the air. Defender got it, takes it all the way back to the, 30 the Raiders 30 so he returned it like 50 yards right Chargers get the ball back less than two minutes on the clock run some clock kick a field goal the Raiders are using their timeouts defensively right so what do the Chargers do this is why I'm about to say it now I want to say it Anthony Lynn needs to get fired I don't want him to get fired there's not a lot of black head coaches out there there's three He's one of them. There's only one prominent black candidate to be a head coach in Eric Bieniemy, So we're probably going to go down in black head coaches again. But that coaching, which the Chargers have been doing all season long, hasn't been good. He has not been good. And he needs to get fired because you ran the ball on first down. They call timeout. You run the ball again on second down timeout. Then you drop back to pass. He gets sacked. Why did this man only throw one pass in the fourth quarter? He's the reason you were winning in the first place. You should have been throwing it on first down and then second down and then third down and maybe fourth down because your kicker sucks. So you take that sack on third down. So now there's like a minute left and you trot Badgley out who literally missed maybe seven real minutes ago, not game minutes, like seven real minutes ago to kick another field goal, this time a 51. Guess what he did? He missed a Shocker. kid. So now the Raiders get the ball back again. So they are passing and driving down the field and they end up with the ball on the 40 yard line of the chargers. No deeper than that. Like the 48 yard line of the Chargers, So just past midfield with four seconds left. 
So the Raiders have two options. They could either A, try to throw a Hail Mary, or B, try to kick a 65-yard field goal. You know what the NFL record is? 64. You think this dude's about to hit a 65-yarder to we win had, a game? They got Carlson, man. Who? Yeah. Exactly. Not Sebastian Janikowski. No, this is not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, they know Janikowski retired, right? Like, <laughs> what's going on? So then they go out to kick this field goal. And, of course, they muffed the snap. So then the Chargers are, like, scrambling to recover the ball from the Raiders because if they return it back for six, that's game. Of course, they didn't. Raiders fall on it. So now we go to overtime. Raiders get the ball and they drive down the field. And that drive was good. It was a good drive. It was a very good drive. And then they get down to like the two and they give the ball to super inefficient Josh Jacobs. Why can this dude not run for four yards a carry? Like he is supposed to be this great running back. He was a first round pick. You have a very good offensive line. You have Marcus Mariota out there running the read option all day. He finished with 88 yards rushing. Like, the Chargers look like they've never defended the read option in their life. And yet on first down, you hand it to Josh Jacobs, who gets stonewalled. So, okay. Josh Jacobs is interesting because he runs into the backs of dudes often. Yeah, it's like Le'Veon Bell without the patience. Like, you know how Le'Veon Bell like runs into the back of dudes, but he pauses and then he like kind of skirts around him and that's how he runs. Josh Jacobs is like, I'm going to do the Le'Veon Bell thing, but I'm not going to slow down. I was literally talking about that with a friend of mine. Who was who was watching the I was watching the game with, and I said to her, "I don't understand why he doesn't do a delayed action, wait for the hole to open up, and then move through it. Instead, he gets the ball and runs right into the butt of the guard, right in the butt of tackle." Do you know why Josh Jacobs does this? Because he's a jerk. You know why he's a jerk? <laughs> because he decided to go on Instagram after the team said he was playing last week and say, "Guess what, y'all? I'm out today." Crying face emoji. And then people freaked out for their fantasy teams or for gambling, and then they didn't play him, and then he ended up playing in the game. So now the world thinks that Josh Jacobs is persona non grata, but you know why he's persona non grata? Because he can't score a touchdown. So first down. doesn't score a touchdown. So he runs into the wall of defenders and his offensive line on first down. So then on second down, hey, maybe run some read option. Maybe don't line up with seven tight ends on the field. Let's, you know, show something different. And what do the Raiders do? They try to run another fucking dive. Like, why are you running a dive on second down? Like, I get it. You're at the one yard line and you've been running the ball. But like Marcus Mariota is just as important to your running game in this game as Josh Jacobs. I didn't understand why they didn't run the option where they fake it to Josh Jacobs and then Mariota skirts around the the side and gets in the end zone. Right. So you do that. And Josh Jacobs, of course, gets stonewalled again because that's what's been happening all season, not just today. So then on third down, you finally decide to run like a flood concept to the right side of the field with Mariota spreading that way. And the Chargers defender plays the passing lane and knocks it down. So you kick a field goal with like three minutes left, which isn't the worst decision in the world when you're playing for the playoffs, but you made a lot of bad decisions on first, second, and third down to get to this point. So then the Chargers get the ball back, and the Chargers are like, hey, maybe they did what we normally do, so let's do what the other team does and win the game. So then the Chargers come out, and they start finally letting Justin Herbert throw, and guess what? Good things happen. What was it, the second play of the drive? They get called for pass interference. The mm-hmm. Raiders do. So now we move the ball up about 15 yards. Then he throws an absolute bomb to Jalen Guyton because the corner on the play got beat by a double move. Like, 
you had one rule right there. Don't get beat over the top. Who do you think you are? The Jets? Obviously, because you gave up a bomb. Yep. Guyton gets tackled at the one. So now the Chargers have the ball, and they're like, all right, we're going to score. So then on first down, they run a stupid play when they try to run like a quarterback sweep. What the hell was that? <laughs> like you line up in shotgun, you have a quarterback sweep, you have a very dynamic player in Austin Neckler standing next to him, and he's blocking. He's a very small man. He probably shouldn't be blocking for anyone. You had Kalen Balaj, who's trash. Kaylin, yeah, they Kalen Balaj in. No, not on that play. Austin Eckler was in on first oh. down. So then on second down, you're like, okay, we're going to bring in Kalen Balaj. He's our big back. He can punch it in. Except you run a quarterback sneak with Herbert, who reaches to try to get in the end zone, and the ball gets knocked out of his hands before he breaks the plane. So when he gets in, when the ball comes out, and the Raiders don't jump on it, which was crazy to me. The Raiders looked worse than the Falcons with that onside kick earlier this year when they were all just standing around looking yeah. at it. I was like, is no one you just watching the ball roll around? Like, what's going on? Because here? if you get on that, it's game. you get the ball back. And it's game. And it's ball game. Right. You win it, you escape. Yeah. So and Anthony Lynn would have lost another close one. Yes. And you're, you keep your playoff hopes alive and all these good things. Because the play... The, any anyone that's listening that's a Raiders fan, the Raiders are not making the playoffs. They're not. They have a less than one percent chance coming in. They're that. seven and seven. I think no, I think it was five percent, but it's still extremely low and not happening. They're seven and seven now. Yeah. And it's crazy because I remember on this podcast talking about that I thought the Raiders were good. I think they were. I don't know what happened. I mean, they fell apart, but here's the thing. The Chargers fall on the ball, so then they run another quarterback sweep on third. So down. they fall on the ball because apparently in the last two minutes. The only the person that fumbled the ball can, can advance the ball. Yeah, it's called the Holy Roller Rule based off a play that happened between the Chargers and the Raiders in the 70s. Okay. So it's actually a thing. Look it up. Holy Roller. It's pretty funny. Um, so what do you do? You run another quarterback, like, draw, like, you run a quarterback sneak on third down. So, like, at what point did we decide that Justin Herbert was our best runner? When you have Austin Eckler and a trashy Kalen Balaj, but still, like, they know how to hold on to the football. And Josh Kelly had a couple of plays this week and didn't look terrible. Josh Kelly is trash. He didn't look terrible this That's week. That's why he returns kicks now. He didn't, so, he didn't look terrible this week. Get off yeah, except for when he returns He's kicks. He's a UCLA product. Get off the He just run, returns kicks. Anyway, so you have the, the Chargers end up winning this game, which is great for right now. Probably terrible long-term because this is the type of game that saves Anthony Lynn's job. And, like, he was making horrible decisions all game long. Like, I went through that whole thing just roasting them. And we're not even talking about his horrible clock management during the Raiders' drive in overtime when he should have been calling timeouts defensively to save some time for his team to get the ball back. Or talking about in the fourth quarter when the Raiders were driving and they gave up three fourth-down conversions on the Raiders' tying drive. And he didn't use his timeouts defensively. Like, what the hell are you doing? And it's been this comedy of errors all season. That's what gets this dude fired. The thing that's funny to me is that we're talking about Anthony Lynn maybe getting fired, but no one's talking about John Gruden possibly deserving to be fired. Mm, it's year three it, of a 10-year, $100 million contract. They're not I know. eating $70 million. And that's, that's why they're not talking about firing him, but he has not been a great coach well, either. Here's the thing. The Raiders have gotten better every year under John Gruden. Like, their record has, and they've gotten better offensively, but their defense is still trash. Like, the one thing they could really use is a player like Khalil Mack. Mm -hmm. But guess what they did when they first came in? 
Got rid of Khalil Mack. They got rid of Khalil Mack. The Raiders are <laughs> They got rid of a player like Khalil Mack, as in Khalil Mack. Yeah. <laughs> but they could really use a player like that. You know, someone to rush the passer and take some pressure off of the secondary. And they've, they haven't really succeeded with any of their picks. Uh, well, not necessarily well, their picks, too, but they haven't succeeded with their free agency signings to shore up the defense. Right. Like, Josh Jacobs was a pretty good pick. Henry Ruggs has looked like a pretty good pick. So is, um, um, Ryan Edwards. Yeah, looks like a good pick. So they're figuring it out as they go, but Gruden needs to fix that defense. Like, I don't know if he needs to bring in somebody with autonomy to fix the defense. He fired his very good friend Paul Gunther this week, mm-hmm. but until they fix that defense, they ha- they're they not going to win. It's sad to say that they only held the Chargers to 30 points, but that's <laughs> been that kind of season for the Raiders. Um, Better question. Who's quarterback when Derek Carr gets healthy? Is it going to be Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota? Has Mariota taken the job in this one week? It depends on when Derek Carr gets healthy. If he's healthy next week, no. If he's healthy in like three weeks, so basically the beginning of next season, yeah, he's not getting his job back. Are we sure? Are we sure that next week is too soon for John Gruden? And he paid Mariota $17 million over two years to be a backup. I mean, that's actually the going rate for backup quarterbacks, which is insane. But, I mean, like, I can stand on the sideline for $8.5 million and just listen to a headset. (laughs) But John Gruden is, we all know he's in love with Marcus Mariota. It's been well documented, his love for Marcus Mariota. I think if he has the chance, he will switch to him. But Carr is having the second best season of his career. Mm -hmm. I don't think he can do it now. But if... You know, Carr is out the rest of the season. Mariota wins these last two games. Maybe. You know who's looked good for the Raiders? Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, I remember when he couldn't catch football for the Eagles. Speaking of the Eagles, that transitions us to the next team I want to talk about. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. I can't believe they won that game. I can't believe they beat the Saints either. But Jalen Hurts didn't look great, but he looked different. So... Yeah, as a 49er fan, I've been preaching that with Nick Mullins versus Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't need him to be great. You just need him to be different. So it's funny because the Saints haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher in, was it, like two years? Yep. And then Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders Miles Sanders both do it. Both same went over game. 100 yards, same game. But interestingly enough, and I'm surprised that the Raiders didn't really understand to do this with Mariota yesterday or on Thursday. Um I don't understand how they didn't see that by Mariota's running ability, it unlocks the running back. Because Jalen Hurts ran for 106 yards, mm-hmm. and Miles Sanders was also able to run for 115 yards because now you have to account for two runners in the backfield. Yes. The it's- Saints also didn't understand it either, though, because Alvin Kamara should have ran for more yards while Taysom Hill was the quarterback because it, there's two people you got to account for now. So having a running quarterback screws up the math on the field because basically the middle linebacker, instead of having to play a zone or if he's in man cover the um, running back is now has to account for the quarterback. So when you're playing man to man, typically you have five guys covering the five receivers. You have four or five guys rushing the quarterback and then you have a safety or two playing back. When you're playing man and the quarterback takes off, there's only a few people actually looking at the quarterback. 
And that's what you saw. The Saints were playing man and getting roasted by Jalen Hurts. Right. And then when you play zone, you keep them in front. So, like, not the game we're talking about, but a perfect example of that was the Giants with the Cardinals. Kyler Murray ran 13 times for 47 yards, but they were playing zone. So, although he was able to run, there wasn't a lot of space to run. But, like, when you look at, like, the Browns-Ravens game, Lamar ran for 124 yards, and but J.K. Dobbins and because Edwards were able to combine for another hundred. Yeah, and you saw it in that game a lot where the big runs that Lamar had was when he caught the Browns in man because their backs are to him. They don't see him running until they hear people yelling, run, run, and then now they're looking for the quarterback. Guess what? He's already passed you on his way to the end zone. Right. So, like, that's the thing with running quarterbacks. It's very hard to play man. You're going to want to play more zone or you want to dedicate a spy to him. If you dedicate a spy, as in someone who's just standing in the middle of the field watching the quarterback to make sure he doesn't run, now you don't have safety help over the top, which opens up deep passes. So you want, like, the best way to cover running quarterbacks is with a zone defense and make them beat you with their arm. And for, you know, some of the quarterbacks that are in the league now, they can do it. Yeah. And that's what makes them so dangerous. And so, like, Jalen Hurts, though, had a pretty pedestrian day passing with uh, 17 for 30 and 167 yards and a touchdown. His his rushing was good. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing about him is that he's not Carson Wentz. And I personally like Carson Wentz, but he has not looked good this season. Carson Wentz has looked very bad. And I know I've talked about how Carson Wentz is better than Nick Foles. Guess what? I still think Carson Wentz is better than Nick Foles. Nick Foles is not getting that job back from Mitch Trubisky because Nick Foles is trash. I think Carson Wentz is bad this year. I don't know what's wrong with him. And I don't have an answer because he has been, for lack of a better term, broken. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's a loss of confidence. I don't know if it's... He, like he's lost a skill. What I, he's not the same quarterback. Cause even last year he had a good year. He took them to the playoffs. He got a concussion in the first quarter of the playoff game and they lost and Philly fans have no faith in him. I think he needs a change of scenery. Yeah. I, I think he's so in his own head, especially because you were the starting quarterback and you were the MVP front runner. And then you tear up your knee and you watch another dude win the Super Bowl there. And then this dude gets a statue erected of him. It's just crazy. So like, you know, you will never be the favorite son. So now you're not the favorite son. So then you come back the next year and you lead them to the playoffs again, except you broke your back. So that you dude, broke your back doing it. You broke your back doing it. So the dude that you were insecure about comes back in and then they win another playoff game. So now you're even more insecure. So they get rid of him, yes. So you come back last season, and you lead him to the playoffs again. With no help. With no help, but then you get hurt in the playoffs, and you lose in the first round, and everyone's pointing at you saying it's your fault that they lost because you got hurt again. Like At this point, I think he needs to get out of there because I think if he's in a place like Jacksonville or Tennessee. Indianapolis. Indianapolis. And I'm not saying like these are options for him to go to because they have quarterbacks in some of these places, but just like a city that's not Philadelphia. Not so mean. Yeah. Uh, He probably has a better shot at succeeding. Right. Because I think it's a confidence thing. Now, with all that said, there's no way the Eagles get rid of him. Like financially, they can't afford it. 
I think if the Eagles somehow miraculously make the playoffs this season, they might try to move on from him, but the financials say that they can't. So Carson Wentz signed a extension last year. So this year he's playing on the fifth year option from his rookie contract because he was a first round pick. That extension kicks in next year. It was a four-year deal worth up to $144 million plus incentives. Okay. So if the Eagles were to cut him next year, like they have to cut him by the third day of the league year, so early in March. If they cut him, they're going to owe him $59.2 million in dead money on the cap. I don't think you can you – can, I know you can't cut him, but what if you trade him? So – if you trade him, it is slightly different. If they trade him, they'll still owe thirty-five million against the cap. Okay, but the team that acquires him is responsible for his salary for this upcoming season, which is twenty-four. So the reason why it works that way is because when you get traded, all of your guarantees are accelerated onto the cap the year that you leave. So. For accounting purposes in the NFL, like we've talked about their contracts and how crazy they are, but you get your money up front as the part of the signing bonus. So he got his money up front. That signing bonus for accounting purposes is split evenly amongst the years of the deal. So that's why they're going to end up owing 35 because that's the remainder of the signing bonus split up. Then he has his roster bonuses, his injury guarantees, all of that that's going to count against the cap that the new team would inherit. But for salary cap reasons, the team that acquires him owes nothing to him guaranteed. So the thing that's interesting is that, and I feel like it's been talked about a little bit but not enough, is the fact that Carson Wentz had a really good relationship with Frank Reich. Yes. The Colts only have um, Philip Rivers signed through this year. Not only only Philip Rivers, but Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett. That's going to clear about $45 million in cap space. A trade to the Colts makes a lot of sense to me because the Colts got put into a situation they didn't expect to when two years ago, Andrew Luck uh, ab- abruptly retired. Right. And like caught them off guard too. Right. So then they had to figure it out as they went. So Jacoby became the starter last year and they gave him a two year, 40 million contract, something like that to, to still trust. Right. But then they still brought in Phillip rivers and he got one year, 25, 25. So with his money coming off the books and Jacoby Brissett's money coming off the books, bring in Carson Wentz, let him feel like the favorite son. Once again, the city had a quarterback that they loved dearly. And he said, thank you for all your, for everything, guys, I'm out of here. Abruptly. Bring in another young guy. Yeah. I think Carson Wentz may be a couple years younger than Andrew Luck. Carson Wentz will be entering his fifth year in the league, so he will be, I think, three years younger. So you still get another guy. I think Carson Wentz is good still. I still think Carson Wentz is good. I still think he's good too, but I think he has some kind of mental block. But then that also gives you a line that's solid to keep him upright, which will help. He has weapons there in Michael Pittman Jr. and T.Y. Hilton, along with running back J- Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines in the backfield. Yes. It's a good situation all around for him to go to Indy. It's good for everybody, I think. 
I think it is, but I don't know if the Colts are willing to invest the draft capital to get him because like, what does the compensation package look like to the Eagles to bring him in? Because he's been so bad. Like do the Eagles, are the Eagles looking for a second round pick? Does anyone send a second round pick for him knowing that you're going to owe him basically a hundred million dollars? Like it's all roster bonuses and nothing is guaranteed. So you can cut him at any point, but like, is he worth a second round pick to you as bad as he played this year? Because would they do it for a third? Would the Eagles take a third for him or would they try to hold on to him to get something better? This dude you thought was your franchise quarterback 12 months ago. Uh, but you've already decided you're moving on. Have they? Like, that's the thing. If they make the playoffs this year, is Jalen Hurts still your guy? I mean, we built a statue for another dude. <laughs> that's true. Like, we, we, yes, we gave this dude a big extension. The, the only person more beloved in Philly than Nick Foles is Rocky. Rocky. That's it. And he ain't real. Nope. It's it's a weird thing. And I, I I just find it really hard to believe that Carson Wentz is this bad. I don't think he is. And I, I really do hope he ends up in Indianapolis. I really do. I mean, Homer pick, I hope he ends up on the 49ers. But that's probably not happening either. And I think Ursay wants a franchise Duke. Yes, they definitely do. And he likes he doesn't mind spending money. I think it all fits. I th- the the only thing about bringing in Wentz is it accelerates your timeline because like they're coming up on dudes that are going to need deals soon. Like they just paid DeForest Buckner when they traded for him. They're going to have to tr- pay Quentin Nelson soon. They're going to have to pay Darius Leonard soon. Like you have some young pieces who are really good that they're going to have to pay. And with the cap coming down, I don't know if you can afford to pay Wentz that money like it's not a lot of money but why not try to make a first round pick at quarterback and let him be the caretaker of the offense for a year or two as he grows into the position because you could save that money and put it elsewhere to pay these dudes up front well how much is is he supposed to make next year 53 20 if he gets traded they'll owe him 24 so Jacoby Reset's making 27 how much was this year? His current contract is twenty million guaranteed. Yes, so he's he's making basically twenty million this year. And then you add that to the twenty five that Rivers is Rivers like, gets. Mm-hmm. You're actually getting a deal, right? But you're gonna have to put. You're gonna still have to redistribute that money somewhere else, and also the cap is going down. True. So I think we're gonna have the. It makes the most like from a financial standpoint, it actually makes the most sense and a fit standpoint. But I don't know if they do it right. But financially and fit-wise, this is the thing that makes the most logical sense to right. me. Speaking of quarterbacks, I, I want to talk about one more thing. Drew Brees is back. Yeah, so he broke, what, 11 ribs? 11 ribs, punctured lung, don't care. Four weeks out, my guy's back. Like, I told you, I wouldn't be playing Madden with those injuries till 2024. <laughs> like, I don't understand... Football players, they're nothing like us. No. I just just a little punctured lung. Just just all that's of my it. ribs broken. No big deal. That's it. No I mean my kids dog piled on me. It was fine. Do you think the loss of the Eagles made this happen sooner than it's supposed to? One hundred percent. They're trying to get that one seed. They gotta the get the one seed. We they need the break. They need the buy. They want that buy. Yeah, they're one hundred percent getting it. They're an older but team. I don't know if they catch the Packers. I don't think they do. I don't think the Packers lose again. I don't think they do either. So 
you got two versus seven, so maybe they're facing the Cardinals, the Vikings. The Vikings. The Vikings is not good for us. Well, they play the Vikings on Christmas Day, so they might be able to shut that down early. They're a bit of a uh, they're a bit of a uh, kryptonite for us. Well, I'll tell you, this is a must win game against the Chiefs, which is crazy, right? Yeah, that you have a must win game against the best quarterback in the league. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you want that one seed, this is a must win game because you can't fall two games. Like you're tied with the Packers right now, you can't fall behind them because the Packers have the tiebreaker right now. In the head-to-head matchup. Yeah. So you're basically two games behind him if you lose. So you have to have him come out here and play. Mm-hmm. I hope he does. I hope he stays upright. I hope the line understands that their main job is to make sure he doesn't get hit. Mm-hmm. Like, that's their job normally, but it's Even more so. paramount. It's paramount on Sunday to make sure he doesn't get rocked around. I'm surprised they didn't flex that game into the night game. I think the reason that they didn't is because both teams are already at their limit of primetime games. So you only get five primetime games per season. And I think if they would have flexed that one, then they would have exceeded. How do you have a limit when you have teams that are good? I know it's dumb, but they basically want to make sure that they get more teams on TV. So you get a limit of five primetime games per season, except for week 17. If week 17, they flex that game because any game can be flexed. And that ends up flexing you into a six one. They don't care, but they cap it before that. It's just so crazy to me that Saints, who are number two in their division in the conference versus Chiefs, who are number two in the conference. Is not at night. Yeah, you would think. (laughs) It's uh, so insane. I mean, it's not even that it's more like. Okay, so like you don't want to flex that game. I, I kind of get it. But why are you giving me Browns Giants? The Giants, number two in their division. Mm. Uh, mm. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to say just, that. Mm. I mean, I guess they wanted to get the synergy with Baker and the progressive commercials, maybe. Maybe. But, you know, he'd be owning that stadium. He'd be... I, I just I want to see their bedroom in the stadium. It's just probably on the field somewhere, like in a corner. Mm, it seems cold, and like what happens when the sprinklers come on? I'm thinking he's like in one of the sky boxes. That would make a lot of sense. Because like then he wakes up in the morning, he's like, mm, "Honey, look at that view." <laughs> the co- the commercial that he had to do where he had to like keep going back to go get something, and yeah. he had to put his keys in there, and they had to want them every time. It was pretty yeah. funny. I was like, she's going to walk. She's going to get it. My favorite one is actually the book club one. Okay. When he runs to their kitchen, which is a concession stand. Yes. Like checking the hot dogs. That is my favorite one. Oh, Baker. Saints, they're playing the Chiefs. It's happening. We'll see how it goes. We'll probably talk about that a little bit next week. By the way, I think the Chiefs won that game. Probably. And I'm sad about it. <laughs> let's Let's talk about the amazing race. It was an amazing race. There was a finale this week. They flew from the Philippines to New Orleans. Yeah, nice transition, right? Talk about the Saints. <laughs> they flew from the from the Philippines to New Orleans. They ran the final leg. It was the volleyball bros. Mm-hmm. It was the boyfriends, mm-hmm. Will and James. And it was Hung and Chi, our married couple. Correct. Let me just say, I always get real excited when on the Amazing Race they go to places that I've been because then I can like judge how difficult the leg actually is. Mm-hmm. So like. This leg, because everything was 
in or around the French Quarter. I was like, that's not that far from this place. Like, this is a pretty easy, well, not easy leg, but like the distance traveled isn't that bad. So when they arrive in the Philippines, the volleyball bros are in first. The boyfriends, Will and James, are in second. And Hung and Chi are are in third. When they get there, they all get into cab. They're all on the same flight. They all get into cabs. Quickly, the volleyball bros fall to the back of the pack. Yeah, they got screwed by their cab driver. Cab driver said he was taking a shortcut. He actually didn't know where he was going. Right. And they stay in third place the rest of the race. Which, if you're a cab driver in New Orleans, how do you not know where the French Quarter is? Ah, so tough, right? You should. That's like the one of the few places you definitely know. Yeah, like that's where all the tourists go. And like, if you've been to New Orleans, all of the tourist stuff is in a three square mile radius. Like everything that happened on that leg of the race was a three square mile radius. It was all very close. So how did you not know where they are going in the French Quarter? Like going to Louis Armstrong Park, that's right in the heart of the French Quarter. And it's tough. So Riley and Madison, the volleyball bros, get lost essentially and are like running on the streets. And at that moment, I knew that they were out. Yeah. It was just very obvious that they were out. And that driver took them out the race. Yeah. Because they're faster than everybody physically. Mm-hmm. And they're stronger. And I thought that they were going to be able to win it because they've been able to do so well. Right. Another thing that I noticed was. Well, another thing that I thought about is I don't understand why they didn't just once they got in third, just have your cabbie follow the other guy because you're you have the physical advantage. Mm-hmm. So you should just be even if you're behind, if it's a literal foot race, you two will probably win. So I just got to stay with you and like draft off you and then just surge ahead at the end. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. They would have been fine, but they it didn't happen that way. No. So they are in third when they first get to the first root root thing. That they had to do. Um, they had to go to Louis Armstrong Park. Then they had to go to the French Quarter and collect beads. Collect beads. Now they had to be the larger beads and they had to be the gold and the red ones. Which it seemed like none of the teams read the clue completely because they were all just kind of collecting red and gold beads willy-nilly without focusing on what they got to do there was a lot of lack of attention to detail well you're in the okay so you're the end of the race okay and you're trying to you're it's you versus two teams and you know that this is this is there's no language barrier situation here it's a basically a dead heat right i understand that you're skimming clues you have to skim clues because i can't sit there and try to read them fully i need to get this done but like reading fully takes six more seconds maybe but that's six seconds that could be a difference maker. I don't know. I'm just saying that they didn't read the clue completely last week, and they were there for a long time trying well, this to figure time out they the band thing. This time they weren't. They were able to collect a bunch of the beads, but some of them were the smaller beads. So but, Hung and Chi got the check first, and they were wrong. They got the check first in the show, in the episode. Right, but like because they got the check first, uh, Will and James were able to figure out that they had to get the large beads. Right. Because they saw Hung and Chi fail. And so they get the large beads and Will and James are the first ones out mm-hmm. again. The next task was a roadblock where and usually in the final leg, you have to do two roadblocks. One it's, person has to do one. The second person has to do another it's one. It's normally two roadblocks and a puzzle. Yeah. So they get they get the checkpoint, which says you have to go check king cakes for a king cake baby. They brought out rows and rows of king cakes. And you had to go through all of them to find a little miniature plastic baby. 
James and Will, apparently one of them loves, I don't know which one's which, but one of them loves um, King Cake. King Cake. Yeah. And they love New Orleans. So I think it was James. I want to say it's James. I can't remember for sure. But he goes and he expertly goes through the cakes trying to find the King Cake baby. Eventually finds one, is in the lead. Mm-hmm. Hung and Chi come through next. Then Ma- Madison and Riley come in. Yeah, and Third. they're all there at one point. Yeah, at the same time. But Will and James were finishing while Riley and Madison were getting started. Correct. So that's how you knew that the volleyball bros were definitely in third. Yeah, way behind. Definitely in third, way behind. So the thing I wanted to bring up is that they go to Cafe Beignet. They have to eat beignets, mm-hmm. six of them. Correct. In between each other. Correct. Will and James struggle eating the beignets. And I literally chuckled because they had to split six beignets between the two of them. Mm-hmm. When I've got I've gone to New Orleans over the last two years, I housed six beignets by myself. So that was the thing <laughs> that me and future wife were talking about that because it was the same thing I said. So like that's that's not a lot of beignets. Like I I can eat six beignets. Yeah. And she was like, Yeah, realistically, if it was me and her. She'd eat two and I'd eat four because she wouldn't be able to get more because I'd eat them so fast. And that's another thing is that <laughs> uh, I eat very quickly. Exactly. So the idea that it was taking them any kind of extended period of time to eat six powdered donuts was... Because that's what a bit... Like, that was the other <laughs> thing. He's, he's eating it and complaining. Like, he's eating, like, a Costco cuff, cupcake and... It's a beignet. It's basically a powdered donut. It's not hard to eat. And he's over here gagging and throwing it up. And I'm like, dude. So I I read in preparation, I read a a little bit of an interview with with them. Mm -hmm. And he said that he ate a ton of king cake while they were doing the challenge. Well, that's just a poor life choice. So he's going through it because he loves king cake. So he was going through it as he was rooting through it. He was taking handfuls of cake and like eating it as well. So when it get into the beignets, he was full. Congratulations, you played yourself. <laughs> Basically, but they get it, they choke it down. He gets two of them down. His his boyfriend gets down four of them. You know, and the worst part is, is I'm sitting there like I don't care how full I am. These are million dollar beignets. Yeah, these are million dollar beignets. You got to get them down. Yeah. So they get that done first, then they're out, and from there, then on. You over. don't see anyone close to them because they weren't. Yeah, it was over at that point. And that's my only critique on the Amazing Race in the finale is that if a team gets a lead, they're just gone. Yeah. They're just gone and you don't see them. But, like, they've done a much better job of rectifying that compared to earlier seasons. Because, like, in earlier seasons, you had teams not running the finale because teams were days ahead of them. Yeah. Like, literal days ahead of them. This time, it's maybe an hour ahead of them. Like, yeah, they were gone, gone, but... Because next is the next roadblock where they have to jump off a bridge and catch a clue, but it's not really that big of a deal. It was seemed to be arm distance away or so. Yeah, and it was a giant swing. And, like, I get my dude, uh, I think it was Will, who's like, I don't like heights, because I don't like heights either. But guess what? This is a million-dollar swing. So you do it real quick. Yeah. And all so, of them got, got it done rather quickly from what it seems like. Yeah, but like he's sitting there complaining. I have no time to complain. I'm trying to secure the bag. Yep. So he grabs the clue. Then they have to rappel down. 
I always noticed that they were repelling pretty slowly. I think I would have been flying down the rope as mm-hmm. fast as I could go, but that's just me. Yeah, what's the maximum speed I can get down there? Because the faster I get to the ground, the faster I can win a million dollars. Right. They next have to grab a giant ball, roll it to the Mardi Gras World. factory, Mardi Gras so World. the distance, because I've been there, I've been to Mardi Gras World, and the distance from that bridge to Mardi Gras World, I guess... Maybe a quarter mile. So Mardi Gras World is a giant warehouse that has apparently Mardi Gras floats. So it's where they build them. Oh, okay. So Mardi Gras World is one of the companies that builds Mardi Gras floats. And they produce more floats than any of the other warehouses in the city. Okay. So I've been to New Orleans like you. Uh, We did the tour at Mardi Gras World. Basically what happens is they have all of their crews which is the groups that put the floats together and do the various parades. And some of the crews hire out Mardi Gras world to do it. Mardi Gras world builds more floats than anyone else. So they constantly have just floats in their warehouse. That makes sense. Which is why they have all those props there. So they Mardi Gras world is down the street from the convention center where they are. So it's like convention center bridge, Mardi Gras world. Okay. And it's, like I said, probably about a quarter of a mile from that bridge to Mardi Gras World, the way they ran. Okay, so they get to Mardi Gras World. They have to roll this giant ball there, and then they have to put down, put together a puzzle to represent the whole world. Which, after that music puzzle last week, that globe puzzle ain't shit. Nope, it was pretty simple. And I think the fact that they really studied before how the a globe looks but will and james had said they studied the globe before in preparation for the race smart they were able to put it together really quickly and since nobody was close it took a pretty possibly a pretty tense moment and made it anticlimactic well my dude chi with the king cake baby on the side of the table oh yeah like I, I don't know how so long he was there. Back at to Hung and Chi, they they had to go through the King Cake Baby, and Chi went through the whole hundred plus cakes, and then had to go back through them a second time because he missed the baby altogether. Yeah, and the worst part is, is Hung saw it sitting there on the side of the table, and th- that pretty much put a fork in their race. Yeah, because she saw it sitting there. And couldn't help. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't say anything. So she's just watching him dig through cakes. And I'm sure she was pulling her hair out because that was it. Like, they were relatively close to the boyfriends up until that point. Right. And then it was over. And once that happened, they were, like you said, out of it. They were mm-hmm. just out of it. And then Riley and Madison, they, they they're just never in it to begin with. They, they housed those beignets, though. But... It was funny because after the cab incident, like Riley and Madison were an afterthought. The cameras didn't even really focus on them. Because it didn't matter because I think that put them so far behind. Yeah. I think they made up a lot of time on foot, but I think them getting out at the wrong place, if you will, mm-hmm. and then having to literally run through the streets of New Orleans just put them way back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he dropped them off on the opposite side of the French Quarter, mm-hmm. which sucks and so when all of that was done we get 
to the final leg, the final, the pit stuff, the the end of the race, the finish line, mm-hmm. where they have to run through the Superdome to fill and have all the teams clapping. D'Angelo looked happy there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were giving him drinks. Well, it's funny because D'Angelo and Gary were there, and I'm like, oh, they've been here before. Yeah. yeah. I was like, <laughs> they probably were not impressed the way that everyone else was. <laughs> I'm sure they weren't. They were like, all right, we're going to stand on the 50-yard line, and Gary and D'Angelo are like, okay. Okay. <laughs> and everyone else was like, this is so cool. Can we take pictures? If I'm D'Angelo and Gary, I'm telling stories of what we did here. <laughs> like, I'm, making, I'm ruining the Superdome for everybody. I'm going to say, oh, yeah, remember that time I ran for X amount of yards? Yeah, and then Gary's probably like, still lost, though. <laughs> no, you don't we say the that Panthers. part. You don't say that part. <laughs> and so Will and James come running in first. They cross the finish line. Congrats to them. They win. Mm-hmm. And then. Hung and she come in later. No, then James gets down on one knee and proposes. Oh, yeah, I, I put that out of my mind. He proposes to the Will. So we now, and I, I love the when the title changes on the dating race, and it goes from dating to engage because <laughs> they got engaged right there on, on the, the mat after winning a million dollars and so i read the interview with them afterwards and they said that they just told people that they secretly got engaged huh um because this episode this season aired um filmed in 2018 yeah so they've just been engaged for two years so here's the worst part they don't get that money right away either nope till the, till the show airs yeah so like are they waiting for the bunny to plan their wedding? I'm sure you plan it. You tell the person that you're planning it with, your wedding planner, that you have the money. But not yet. But not yet. But, like, you can't make payments until you have the money. I wonder if you could, like, take a loan. I don't know. if I. You have to have proof of income. Maybe you get some paperwork from CBS, CBS that says you won. I don't know. That's a good question. Because if you're like using the money to pay for the wedding, because so okay, they were supposed to get married in October of this year. Yeah. Then you know, hashtag COVID. COVID. <laughs> so they've pushed it back and they're getting married in New Orleans. And now they said family and friends understand why they're getting married in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Because they thought it was weird that they were gonna get married in New Orleans to begin with. Yeah. But they're getting married in New Orleans. And some people from the race are invited, they said. I wonder if uh they'll be serving beignets there. They probably will. Or do you think it'll be a king? There's going to be a king cake, that's for sure. Riley and Madison are invited along with Hung and Chi, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. I don't think Gary and D'Angelo are probably invited. Nah, probably not. Um, but the blonde sisters, those blonde girls, mm-hmm. they're invited. What about Esfar and Aparna? I don't know about them. I mean, they were part of the alliance. But I don't know if they were close to them. They were close to those blonde girls, too. Yeah. So they said there's some people are invited from that, and... They're going to use some of the money to pay for the wedding. So I'm assuming you get like a loan or something or use some like paperwork saying, hey, I won this thing. I mean, depending on what they do for the wedding, it may or may not cost that much. I mean, if I won the Amazing Race, the wedding's going to be huge. Nah, the honeymoon is going to be huge. Both. Well, where where can we go that we haven't gone already? Or do you just like go places you've already been? I mean, you probably, the way that that couple played that game, they're doing an Amazing Race highlight tour where they go to their favorite places from other seasons. Yeah. (laughs) From other seasons. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, that looked like fun. Let's go there. So Hung and Chi come in next. And then Riley and Madison, they all talk about how great the race was. And they sounded nothing like D'Angelo. No. They're all very, I mean, the money was not life-changing for D'Angelo. Right. We talked about it last week. He's still sour grapes. Even still, I'm, 
happy to see them win. I was hoping the volleyball bros would win. They were my pick to win. But Will and James did well. They did. I, I would be excited to see one of them on like Survivor or something. I'll see how that goes. I don't know if they make it. I think it's their mental game more so than their physical game. Well, they they, they got the uh, cha- Oh, maybe on the challenge. Ah, that would be interesting. Speaking of the challenge, let's talk about the challenge. I really enjoyed the challenge this week. Man, oh man. This week on the challenge, it was a great episode. So let's just start from the beginning. Because last week we ended with the cliffhanger of, will Natalie keep Wes? We knew Natalie was keeping Wes. Right. There was no way. She openly stated she wanted to work with Wes. She was not changing partners. Right. So she, of course, picks Wes, which makes CT a rogue agent. Yes. So a rogue agent is someone that doesn't have a partner, Mm -hmm. but will be getting a partner the following competition after it's all settled. So like I said, he probably wasn't going to be able to participate in the challenge and he was not able to participate in the next challenge. Right. Which was, what did they call it? Ice. I don't know. You had to get these little things, little peel things. So these little like beet peels. All right. No, no, you're, you're shortchanging them. So they start on a beach. Then they're in Iceland, by the way. Yes. They have to swim to a boat to retrieve a block of ice to bring the block of ice back to the beach. So it was probably about a 50 yard swim, maybe further. So you swim back with the block of ice. Then you have to break the block of ice apart to get the pill, to put the pill in one of your opponent's bases that had three holes in it for the pills. When you got three pills put in, you were out of the game. So like a classic survivor coconut shop challenge, you have to just basically eliminate the people that you don't want in the game. But they also have, if they have a pill in their hand, they still can put it in someone else's. After they've been eliminated, yes. So Wes and Natalie as the physical beast they are, get to the boat first. They get the ice block back first. They break it open first. And they're trying to decide, who are we going to get out? While they're doing this, 17 teams, which there aren't even 17 teams in the game, but 17 teams immediately go after them. Yeah, they decided that they were the ones that they were going to be getting out yeah. first. So Wes and Natalie, super gone, super quick. I mean, Leroy, in fact, puts a fourth pill in there. Just for fun. Just for fun. He like literally puts in a fourth one and pushes out the one that's in there. Yeah. Which was... Hilarious. Wes goes ballistic. Which I don't blame him. Like, it you guys are working against your own interests. Why don't you go after other people? It's very clear to Wes early on he's at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, the social totem pole. Mm-hmm. So you get rid of Wes and Natalie. Then you get some interplay between Nani and Kyle versus, I think it was Michi and, and Liv. Liv. A little bit of that. So one by one they go down. Which... Michi and Liv, Michi with the medical DQ after complaining about how cold it was the whole time. Oh, man. Michi, though, was like convulsing in the water. He was, Yeah. So I don't know if he was cramping or what, because they very much yada yada that. Yeah, they didn't talk about Michi again, but he was ended up being okay. Oh, he was fine. It was just, I'm surprised that they showed no concern. They're like, medical DQ, keep it moving. <laughs> well, as time went on and everybody went down, it became very apparent to everyone that Anissa and Fessy had no X's, if you will. No blocks in there, no pills in their basket. Mm-hmm. But everyone around them did. And it became very apparent to everyone that these two are working with everyone. Yes. Because nobody was going after them. Yeah. Little did, fun fact, I found this out while listening to the official challenge podcast from Tori and Anissa. 
which is on iHeartRadio, and you find on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Apparently, and these, when you also win, you're the double agent, you get to also pick the order. So they The order in which they vote? No, the order for the next challenge. So they place the people next, next to, to them that they were working with. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. And they have put Wes and Devin on the end, so that way they were gone the farthest first. away. Yeah. Which is why there was they had everyone around them was their friends. So like when you're in a frantic who do I put the thing in? You put someone next to you. Yeah. It was Tori was a tour left. Mm-hmm. So Tori and Corey were going to be safe because they were already going to be safe. Right. And then Casey and Leroy to, were to their right. Mm-hmm. And the next to them were Cam and Josh. Right. Because those are Fessy's people. Huh. So they strategically put people near each other that they figure they were working with. And then the other people like further away. Huh. Okay. So that I thought makes... that was pretty smart, but well, apparently that's a little advantage you also get for being a double agent that they don't talk about. Well, so here's my problem with this season so far is they haven't clearly shown who was working together with who already. Mm-hmm. And maybe those conversations haven't happened in the house because they happened outside of the house, but it's very hard to dis- like figure out where the web goes. Well, those conversations happen outside the house because listen, I do my research on the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Watching Cam and Leroy's, YouTube channel. Leroy said that he reached out to Corey when the season started, before the season started, because he knew Bananas wasn't coming. Right. And he said, and I've always ridden Bananas. He said, I ride Bananas coattails because that dude wins. And I want to be towards the end so I can try to like sneak in there and win. Mm -hmm. So I very obviously ride Bananas coattails. Also, he said, Johnny doesn't like nobody but him. So (laughs) that, that makes it easy. Yeah. But since that's the case, he knew he wasn't coming, and he's like, let me contact Corey and see where he's at on this. Yeah. So by him calling Corey, they were able to set up a little TYB alliance with Leroy mm-hmm. to help him out. So, like, Corey, Fessy, Nelson looking out for him. Right. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But by looking out for him, it also looks out for Cam and extension. Exactly. You bring in Anissa and Cam's friendship. That means Tori's looking out for them, too. Tori's right. paired with Corey. All those connections, that's a nice little alliance right there. Yeah, so then you have them, and then you have the outer circle who also thinks they're working with them. Mm-hmm. And then you have Wes. But see, Wes has friendships. Wes has relationships. This past summer, Wes did a podcast in the OnlyFans where they went out to help people in the Kansas City area during the pandemic. Okay. And different challengers were coming in, staying at the house, including Leroy and Cam. He like rented a house, him and his wife rented a house. Interesting. And they did like an outreach and they had like a Patreon and everything. And they did daily episodes and daily podcasts where they help people, but they also like party in the house and stuff like that. And right. Like Nani came out at one point. D was there. That's when D got in trouble. D was there when she got in trouble. Got it. Um, she's not on the show anymore. Right. But she was there. Nehemiah was there most of the time. All these people were there helping out the community. The community. Kayla stayed there for a while, her and Sam. Do you think that part of the reason everyone's going after Wes is because he doesn't need the money? No, which was a really funny flex. Well, I mean, we'll get there. Yeah, but. funny flex. No, <laughs> but I think they're legitimately going after them because Anissa said she wants different winners in the show. Right. She wants different winners. And 
She's looking to get a win for herself. Leroy's looking to get a win for himself. Mm-hmm. Corey's looking to get a win. Nelson's looking to get a win. There's a lot of people looking to get W's. So CT, Ashley, Darrell. Everyone who's tasted the fruit's got to go. Yeah. Got and it. so that's why Wes is just there. Plus, Wes is very good socially. Moving on through this episode, Wes is the first one out. It seems very obvious that Wes is going in. Wes then goes to Fessy and Corey and Nelson and says, let me be the janitor in your corporation. That was hilarious. I just want to be on the team. Yeah, I just want to be on the team. I'll be the janitor. If you want me to be the CEO. I can also run the team. I can also run the team. And they're like, wait, so you went from janitor to CEO that quick. Hey, listen, I can do whatever you need me to do. I, was, I, I could wear any hat. I could do any role. That was hilarious and a horrible pitch. The janitor <laughs> pitch, you had them you had them listening, but I could also be the CEO. No. Mm. But CT also came over there and tried to pitch him on like being a part of the team. What do you guys want to do? Help me help me help you. Yeah. Because they're just trying to stay. They're trying to stay because they're realizing that their time might be up sooner than they expect. Or they're going to be fighting for skulls for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. everyone is going to be coming for their skull. Correct. If they get one. So, Wes says that to them. At the same time, Big T and Joseph. Mm-hmm. Oh, that- sweet, sweet Joseph oh. from America's oh. Got Talent. Joseph decides that he wants to go in now. Say, first, first guy's elimination. He wants to go in. To, and he wanted to get Wes. He wanted specifically Wes. Because those were his wishes and what he wanted to do. But he wanted Wes to be the house vote. And he wanted to be the pick from Anissa and, and Fessy. Which, his conversation with Big T was hilarious. Because they were speaking different languages. And, and it's not because she's British. And it's not because she's British. It's because they, oh, they, that was, I felt like, live in the background of that conversation just making faces as i listen to them talk to each other mm-hmm. they, I, they there was no logic on either end no and like at the end of the day it was just very clear that they don't like each other and, and it was the, tough because they were paired together and i thought they would like each other but i don't think joseph was ready for this game well when joseph told her that she reminded him of an ex, ex i was like mm, you're you're not working with her no that, that that's not a compliment bro so joseph <laughs> Joseph wasn't ready for the show. He wasn't. He wasn't ready mentally. And it's funny because he gets there. And you first hear Devin and Kyle hatch a plan that they're going to say they're voting for Wes and Natalie. But they're going to vote for Joseph and Big T. Because if you can get Big T paired with CT. You can get rid of CT. It might be able to help make CT weaker. Yeah. Because Big T, though her name says it, she's a small woman. Yeah, and not physically imposing, not no. great at challenges. But very nice and very sweet, and everybody loves her. And that's actually really good for And that's CT. a very, very strong thing to have in the game. Mm-hmm. So then at the same time, you see Big T with Liv and Lolo and Amber trying to also hatch a plan to get rid of Joseph. Yeah. Her own teammate. She's trying so, to double cross her own teammate. Like, let's get rid of this dude. Let's get me with CT or anyone else in this house. Yeah. So... With both of them hatching a plan on either side, with both with both groups trying to hatch a plan on the other side, that's how I knew this was going to work. Right. Because Joseph's already saying he wants to go in. Right. But he wanted to go in on his terms, which he was going to be the pick by Leroy, or not Leroy, but by Fessy, mm-hmm. if things looked the way he wanted to once he got down there. 
Right. He thought he had Fessy's ear, which he did not. Right. They get to deliberation. And Joseph tries to call out Wes a little bit. He he was all over the place. He says, make Wes the house vote. And then they'll pick me and then we'll go head to head because I'm the one I'm the only one that wants to face the dude. And they're like, then Wes, very intelligently, because he's a very smart man, says, well, if you want to go in, we should just vote you. Yep. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. He's like, no, that makes the most sense. You can't sit here and call shots just because I have massive amounts of wealth. <laughs> and I need to go back home and count my money. Doesn't mean that you get to decide who or how this happens. Right. A lot of people agreed with them. Wes was right. They, this, that's I mean, unfortunately, Wes is very smart, and that's what makes him dangerous in the game. Correct. So they make that that play. They vote Joseph in, but when they vote Joseph in, as far as Anita and Fessy knows, Wes is going to be the vote, and then they're going to pick someone to go against. Wes. Right. And unbeknownst to everyone else in the house, Anita and Fessy get to see who voted in. Yes. The people who were compromised. Which leads me to Kyle's Gambit. So the Queen's Gambit is really popular right now on Netflix. So it's chess thing. Are you referring to Kyle as a queen? No. Kyle is decided that he was going to try to make a very savvy move, mm-hmm. which was dumb. So this season, everyone votes individually, and you, your vote is private. You discuss publicly, you deliberate publicly, and then you go vote privately. Correct. The double agents... Then go to deliberate, and in their deliberation, they find out who is going in, and they find out everyone that voted for the the pair that's going in. Right. Kyle comes into Anissa and Fessy's room while right when everything breaks, and he says that he's going that he voted for Wes and Natalie. Right. Because it's tough. It was tough, but he did it. He did the thing. They're like, hmm, okay. Tori says the same thing, but it's like less of a thing. Right. Because Tori's not really ever going to be in danger. Correct. No one knows because Fessy and Anissa won the first time. They didn't tell anyone that they know who went in, that they know who voted for who. Yeah, like they have corroborating information and everything went the way it was supposed to the first time. So So it was unimportant to talk about. Right. This time, though, everything didn't go the way it was supposed to. Right. They look and see that Wes and... Wes and um, Natalie are not going in. And then they wonder who betrayed them. Who? 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 And they see one Kyle's name, his face, right up there as someone that lies straight to their faces. Which they did not appreciate. Which they didn't appreciate. So when we get to the elimination, we find out that Big T and Joseph are going down. Mm Mm-hmm. And since it's a guy's day, it's going to be guys going. So Joseph's going to be going head-to-head with someone Fessy and Anissa picks. So, pause. Because we get there, and there's nothing set up. It's three poles and a ring. Okay, this is where this is an issue, right? This is So let me tell you why Fessy is trash. I'm about to tell you, too. We're, we're going to talk about it extensively. And, and spoiler alert. They pick Kyle, and Kyle goes after Fessy for the same thing we're about to but say. We're, yes, so we get down there, and like you said, there is a ring in the middle of the sand. There's and, three poles on each side of the sand. There's no elaborate rigs. Yes. There's no 
nothing where you look like you might be strapped in something upside down. Right. There's not some huge jungle gym looking contraption that has right. some rope on the ground. There are no puzzles. There is it's no puzzle. A this ring is, and three poles. As as Kyle said, you know it's a headbanger. You just look down there and you see what's going on. Fessy is twice Joseph's size. He's a monster amongst men. A formal, former NFL prospect. Mm-hmm. Joseph is a beanpole. Joseph is a singer. <laughs> Legitimately. Yeah. And Maybe not like Ruben Studdard size singer. Right. A little small singer. Yeah. They asked Fessy, are you ready to go down here and try to earn this, or- this, red- this gold skull? Fessy then says, I don't see no pole in the middle of sand, so I'm not going down there. Bro. No, fool. You didn't see a pole. You saw a ring. It's the same Bro. idea, man. It's a ring and a like it's a ring inside of an actual ring. There is a ring around the dirt. Yes. And then there's a ring in the center of that ring, and there's some poles on the other side. So, like, you know you finna use your muscles. Right. How stupid are you? And and this is the kind of thing you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And not just that, the house is giving you the best opponent. Yeah. There's no opponent better. This is the layup you needed. This was going to be Joseph backpack. Yes. to Johnny Bananas backpack. I was exactly about to say those words. This is your CT backpack moment. You literally can pick up Joseph with the ring and place Joseph and the ring around the little pole. Right. But but Fessy says, no, I'm not going in there. And why did he say he wasn't going in? Because he didn't know what the challenge was. You're looking at it, man. It couldn't have been more obvious. Exactly. So he's like, nah, because TJ didn't explain the rules. I don't want to go in because I don't know what the challenge is. So, you know, we're we're here to make moves. So we're going to send in Kyle. Send in Kyle, not Wes. Kyle. Yeah. Oh, Wes, you owe me one. Yeah. And Kyle's shocked and upset because he's like no heads up they feel like they didn't need to give him a heads up because he definitely lied to them about the vote which, which he doesn't know that yet but he doesn't know that they know that he lied they so, don't know that we know that they know we know correct and they don't know that we know that we know that we know that we know exactly correct so anyway so he picks he picks him anisa also follows through and says you know i said i was gonna vote for west wasn't my boy my boy and so he said, I'm not, it's my boy, I'm not voting for Wes, especially after she voted for Wes the first time. Mm-hmm. So he goes down there. We're sending in Kyle and Nani. Also, earlier, Nani had talked to Fessy about trying to not have Kyle as a teammate. Because that just wasn't a love connection that worked. Right. Uh, Kyle doesn't take the game too seriously in a lot of people's estimations. So it just wasn't going to work out. Nah, not at all. Kyle goes down there. And Joseph put up a, a a hell of a fight. He was much better than I thought he would be, but it was still taking candy from a baby. Uh, I wouldn't say it was that easy. Okay, it was like taking candy from like a kindergartner. From listening, once again, going referring the official podcast, the official challenge podcast, Anissa and Tori talked about Joseph coming close a couple times. That, they didn't show it. Right. They, they, they showed it as a straight blowout. Yeah, but they said that Joseph was much crappier than they thought he was, and he did. It was going back and forth for a while. Yeah, I mean, you know, they had to be wrestling for a while. Yeah, and so they wrestled, wrestled, wrestled. Ultimately, Kyle wins. Yeah, two zero. A two zero win. Mm-hmm. Kyle then throws up. Like 
do you think he was hungover? You think that was he exertion? Was, so he was definitely hungover. <laughs> um, he was hungover because he didn't think he was going in. So him and Devin apparently throw them back. We're talking about like 12 beers apiece. Well, so here's the thing. For, as we know from going all the way back to fresh meat too, if you drink on the day of an elimination, they're not supposed to let you compete. But that was before you knew. That was when you like knew the elimination the day before. So now they let them drink? Well, they let them do a party. And then you get down there and then you find out what, what time it is. Wow. Yeah, they find out what time it is. So, because they don't know in advance. Mm-hmm. And Fresh Me Too was years ago. The worst part is when we found out that rule, homeboy had one beer. Yeah. It wasn't like he was intoxicated. He was yeah. like, I'm just going to have one beer just to like loosen up before. And it was, oh, you can't run. Shout out to Brandon Nelson of the challenge Fresh Meat yeah. too. But in this one, he had drank a bunch of beers. They had drank a bunch of beers because apparently him and Devin sit down and drink about 10 to 12 beers a piece whenever they go out and drink. Okay. And so they drank about 10 beers. And so the, the puking was all everything just coming out. <laughs> just coming out of them and ending up on the sand. Right. Joseph gets sent away unceremoniously. TJ didn't say, you know, we'll see you in the future or anything like that. Because we probably won't. We probably won't. Joseph leaves. He's tried his best. And at this point, we get a chance of a mix-up. T is left alone. Mm-hmm. She's left by herself. Kyle wins. He then tells Nani that obviously there's an alliance up here. And he's sorry, Nani, but he's going to have to infiltrate. He will not be taking Big T. He's changing partners. And as he said that, I said, he needs to pick Cam. Sure enough, he picks Cam as his partner. Yeah. Killer gets picked. CT didn't do it, but Kyle did. Yeah, it was smart. So since Cam picked, immediately we get the obligatory Josh reaction. I can't believe he did that. And he, Josh looks over at Fessy. You screwed me, bro. And he's pissed off and he's upset and it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Because he does Josh stuff. And then Betsy's like, don't look over here, man. And he's just like, it's not our fault. Yeah, we make him pick. Right. So then immediately, Josh gets paired, though, with his best friend in real life now. She is. Nani. So he can't be too upset. Yeah, he's pretty excited about that. Because Nani felt like she wanted to have someone that supported her and backed her up. Mm -hmm. And... She finally did. Donnie was very happy with the choice, all things considered. But I think both of them, it's all social, no physical. So they're going to be struggling. Right. So that happens. Big T gets CT. CT comes running down, happy to be paired with Big T because he's just a nice dude. So it's. do you think it was more he was happy to have a partner or was he happy to have her as a partner? Neither. It was just CT being CT. CT being CT. Joyous. I think he. Nice dude. I think it's underrated that I think he might actually be excited to have her as a partner because his social game has never been super strong. Right. So having someone who is in the conversations will help him immensely. She's still low man on the totem pole too, but he's the lowest man on the totem pole. This is true. And he and he gets some help. He now gets some help. Right. So we have new pairs in Josh and Nani, Kyle and Cam, and CT and Big T. Do you think this week is going to be a girls elimination? 
Because I actually think this is going to be another guy's So I think it's going to be another guy's elimination too. And the reason why I think it's going to be another guy's elimination is because I couldn't imagine a guy being the rogue agent every single time. And I think they're going to try to screw with the contestants who are trying to manipulate the game. Right. So they're going to like make it, maybe bounce it back and forth. Yeah. So that you like you know that you're getting a guy's and a girl's elimination, but you never know when you're getting which, just that they come in pairs. Right. So I fully anticipated being a guy's elimination because I think a lot of them are going to play to try to get out a girl like Natalie or Nicole um, or maybe a Tory because they're like, we want to make big moves and then it's going to end up being the dudes that are banging heads. I agree. It's, it's, I, I definitely can see that happening and it's going to be interesting when that happens. Right. I don't think, I don't think Tory's on the list though. I don't think she's on the list for the winners, but I could, but it depends on who wins. Cause like if the house decides that we're going to throw Nicole in, maybe depending on who wins, maybe they're like, let's throw someone else who's strong in, make them go for it. True. You never know what's going to happen. Like depending on who wins, they don't owe the other ones. Nothing like if Nicole goes in, do you throw in Lolo? Make them go after it? Like, it'd be interesting to see. Do you vote in Lolo because you're afraid of her because you know she's strong? Speaking of Lolo, we didn't talk about the Lolo Nam little love connection. It was cute. They're going to have athletic babies. They're super athletic babies. Uh, but Lolo, Lolo they got to get married first. They do have to get married first. Because Lolo is a very known that she's a virgin. I mean, you heard her. Where's my Bible? <laughs> that was hilarious. So next week... I'm excited about it. We're not going to have another show next week because it's Christmas. So we're going to be making up two episodes on the next edition. On the next edition. But do check out our special basketball episode that we will be recording and releasing with a whole NBA preview. CJ, before we get up out of here, do you have anything you want to talk about? I want to talk about the college football playoff and the NCAA in a whole. They, I'm... Earlier this year on this podcast, I talked about how stupid it was that they were playing this season after the Pac-12 canceled. And then the Big Ten was like, yeah, we're going to cancel too. But then the ACC, the Big 12, the SEC didn't blink. So then they were like, hold up. We don't want you to do this without us because we want our money. So then they came back and they played. So now we have the college football playoff, which they will be making the selections this Sunday. And Alabama's a lock. Like, even if they lose to Florida in the SEC championship game, their resume will probably put them in at number one. Mm -hmm. You have a headbanger of Notre Dame versus Clemson at two versus three. This should be an eliminator, but I really think it's only an Doubt eliminator it. for Clemson. Yeah. Because Notre Dame is undefeated going into this game. And also they have the cachet as being Notre Dame that if they lose, I couldn't see them falling out of four. I don't even know if it's an eliminator for Clemson. I think it is because at that point they were a two-loss team that did not win their conference championship. And they also lost to Notre Dame twice. I think at that point, A&M gets in, who's five. Because even though they also didn't win a conference championship, it's a one-loss team versus a two-loss team. Um, and then you have the spot at number four which is Ohio State, who is undefeated at 5-0, and who the Big Ten has already changed their rules this season to make sure they can play for the conference championship because conference championships historically have been important to the selection committee. 
So now you have those four teams. You have A&M at number five. You have two loss Iowa State at number six. If Iowa State loses to Oklahoma, then they don't matter either because they'll be a three loss team without the conference championship. But like you have a team in Cincinnati who's number nine was undefeated and you don't even give them a shot at making the playoffs. That's ridiculous. And this season has exposed the inequality between the power five schools and the, like, if you're not one of the big kids, you, you don't get to hang out. So they're just very focused on keeping their money at the table. And I think this exposes it in a way that we all knew that's how it was. Especially against West Coast people. But, like, now you know how it is. Because, like, SC is undefeated, just like Ohio State, and they don't have a prayer of getting in. Nope. And granted, SC hasn't beat anybody, including last week when we were together and we watched SC struggle to get by UCLA. (laughs) But it's unfair that some of these mid-major, quote-unquote, schools are great and will not have a chance to show it. And it's all about the money. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised whether Notre Dame gets in or not if they stick around the ACC because the money is there for them. And being able to compete for a conference championship this year shows that there's more money to be made if you stay in the conference. Didn't realize until this week that Notre Dame only gets $15 million a year from NBC versus ACC member schools get $27 million. Which is insane. That's insane. The fact that Big Ten member schools get $52 million from their media rights. This is all media rights money, by the way. $52 million. Notre Dame should be making money hand over fist. The fact they only get $15 million. I could see them joining a conference to try to get that money. Which conference should they join, though? Because the ACC makes sense, but I think the Big Ten. Geographically, they should be in the Big Ten. But I don't think they would join the Big Ten because I think there's too many good teams. But I think financially, it's a bigger windfall, isn't it? It is a bigger windfall, but it's not as a big a windfall as if you're competing for national championships. Because here's the thing. If Clemson joins the ACC, it makes the ACC football relevant. Because the ACC in football right now, it's Clemson, and that's it. Like, you have Miami, who has been historically good, but they're not great right now. You have Florida State, who has been historically good, but they're not great right now. And then you would add Notre Dame. But who are the other ACC member schools that are playing football? North Carolina, Duke, NC State, Wake Forest. Like, those are all basketball schools. Um, And then you have Syracuse, Pitt, Boston College, more basketball schools. None of those schools really matter. If Notre Dame were to join the ACC, they would join the, the, not the Coastal Division, basically the North, which they would run shop. And then they would face Clemson every year because those two would not be in the same division. So I think if you're trying to win national championships to put more money in your pockets, because let's face it, college football is a money industry. They're going to join the ACC and they're going to try to make that money. Right. And that's what college football is all about money. It's always about money with them. Yeah. So they need an overhaul. The, um, (laughs) The government is actually talking about creating a college football oversight group to enforce the rules that the NCAA has been failing to enforce. They're supposed to get $50 million the first two years if it passes and it will be part of the Biden administration. So I'll be very interested to see how that goes. Also very much looking forward to 
the Supreme Court ruling on the paying of players next year because those kids deserve all of the money they should be getting. All of it. It's ridiculous. I agree. I hate the NCAA. Yeah, it's trash. It's a terrible governing body, and we'll talk about that in the future. Trash. CJ, you got anything you want to promote? Well, didn't have time to talk about it today, but check out Clinton Yates' article on the undefeated about the MLB elevating Negro leagues to actually count in the record books because it, he says it far more eloquently than I ever could. Yeah, check that out. It's on the undefeated. Um, Clinton Yates, a very, very brilliant writer. Also, check out this podcast. Check out our basketball episode. We'll be having a couple special guests for that one. As well as find us at FuryPodcastNetwork.com. We're on your socials everywhere at Fury Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, comment. Tell us what you think about this week's episode. Follow me at KG Fury. You can follow CJ at Keyboard Sarcasm on Twitter. Other than that, I think that's everything. Hope to talk to you guys next week. Bye. Peace out.